Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devon, joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. I think I would do poorly in a psychiatrist's office because I couldn't light a cigar. It would, yeah, that would be a detriment, (laughs) wouldn't it? This has been my therapy for so long. And this still feels today a lot like my therapy. Right. You know, I've, I've just had a rough day of a lot of, not really a bad day, but a day where a lot of stupidities have followed one one after the other after the other. My day has been similar. Yeah. There, and so getting into, and then it's funny, I, I was going to knock off work a little bit early to get here. And because I've been dealing with a day like that of just constantly having to tell people they, stuff they should know already. Right. And then I'm like, all right, it's about 4.30. I, I can coast the rest of the work day by just keeping my eyes on my phone. I'm going to go ahead and get down to the shop. And one of the other members of the HOA board was walking around the neighborhood, and I ended up sitting talking to her for 30 minutes. Which just increased the stupid factor for the, not her, but the things we were talking about, the things we have to deal with as a, as a result of the HOA. So it's just, I couldn't even escape it. So getting in my car, I, I said all that to say, the moment I turned my car on and my brand new stereo fired up, and I'm very excited about that, and everything worked. And then I lit that cigar to head down here. It was it was almost as good as that cigar you light up when you leave the office before vacation oh yeah that's a good one there's there's a lot of good ones to have and you know so this links in directly into what i'm smoking so the um shop here we're looking into different lines of cigars and perhaps making our own line of cigars and Mm -hmm. all that so we have different manufacturers bringing by samples of stuff they've gotten for evaluation and i've got a whole bunch of these for evaluation um i won't say who brought this one by but this is the d4 all right (laughs) and it's out of a factory the owner was telling me said you know this is a factory i'm considering doing business with and if i had a buyer that was going to do their this line it would make it easier to do business so it makes sense for a lot of people right and all because you got to keep in mind, if you're going to put an eight dollar cigar on the market, it's got to be good. It's got to be good, but it's got to cost you two dollars, right? Because you got to buy it for two, then you got to sell it to whoever you're selling it to for four, and then they got to sell it to whoever they're selling it to for eight, right? So it's very di- so you you've got to evaluate cigars differently. Mm-hmm. So I've been going through this process. This is the sixth or seventh one of these oh, that wow. I've smoked of different brands from different guys that have brought them in and said, try this, try that. And I'm good to keep detailed notes on all that. But I thought I might walk people through how I evaluate these cigars, and I want your expertise contribu- contributing to this. Okay. And, uh, you know, first thing I always do is the sniff. I take the sniff of the cigar and kind of right. see what that reminds me of. Then I clip it and do the cold draw. And the cold draw kind of gives me information. Then I light it, and I always start thinking about the thirds. Mm. Beginning, middle, end. How does it begin? How does it middle? How does it end? And then I also think about what does this sort of remind me of that might already be in the humidor. Right. I don't try to get too wrapped up in the, oh, this tastes like oats and Cinnamon and cedar. Yeah, I don't get into that. 
I just try to kind of think about how it carries me on the journey. So I'm smoking the D4 tonight. <laughs> Can you tell us if it's Nicaraguan, Dominican, anything like that? Not till I light it. Okay. Oh, it, but it didn't come with those. No, no oh. nothing. All it came was a plain cellophane wrapper with a Sharpie D4 on it. All right. So now one of the vendors has sent me a pack of 10. Okay. And I, now that guy, he wants my business. Right. And he's and he makes a good cigar. So what I'll probably do is one night here actually hold a little tasting mm. with me and four or five friends and say, hey, tell me what you think of this cigar. Yeah, for and sure. And that's all set and smoke it together. But he sent 10. So this guy, he just left a four-pack, and he wants me to pick ones I like, and then he'll bring them for the other partners to evaluate and take a look at and that's things like cool. that. So uh, I was, I'm the designated palate. It's a fun job to have. So I was in the humidor earlier today, and I I didn't really know what I wanted. I'm By virtue of the kind of day we were both just talking about, man, I'm tired. I'm just a little... And so I didn't want anything that was going to jar my palate awake, if that makes sense. You know, I didn't want anything too aggressive. And, and so thinking about you smoking that Perdomo 12th anniversary on the show a couple weeks ago, I started thinking, and I walked right by the Perdomo section in the humor. I went, you know what? It's been a while since I had one of these. And my favorite, at least as far as memory serves, is the 20th anniversary Sun Grown. I've said it, once I've said it a hundred times, no one does Sun Grown wrapper better than Perdomo. It's their flagship. It makes... It's just what they do so much better than anybody else. We often talk about how Perdomo doesn't really blow your socks off, but they're consistently good across the board. I think when you compare Sungrown to Sungrown, that's where they have that little bit of edge. Yeah, I mean, Perdomo, always going to be a good cigar. They're always going to get their act together. They're, you know, you said you had to walk by, you were walking by the Perdomo. Unfortunately, you can't walk into our humidor without walking by the Perdomo. <laughs> And all the extent that, you know, short of Arturo Fuente, Padron is the most demanding as far as position and numbers of lines to carry for their cigars. And all short of Fuente. And Fuente, you know, they get pretty rigorous on that stuff. What I like about that, though, so you've been on this side of the industry long enough that that you'll recognize the behavior I'm talking about. Every rep comes in and bitches about where they are in the humidor. It, everybody. They don't want to be right by the door. The next guy does want to be right by the door. But this... Da, 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 da. At least with Perdomo, they give you something f- to put them where they want to be. Yeah, and they're they're a great company. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not criticizing them so much as... Um, I would like to put them where I want them in the humidor, not where they want to be in the humidor. Because... Humidor management is you put your most expensive cigar by the door, and that causes your customers to be pushed to the back of the humidor to get a better selection so everybody gets a better shot. Well, if you put the Perdomos, which are... Already argu- have a following. Yeah, arguably the best value in the humidor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're into Perdomo, you're into Perdomo. And if you're not into Perdomo, you probably don't hate them. Right. I've never met anybody that hates them. Right. So the... They kind of that positioning kind of it's not really sporting to everyone else in the humidor. Yeah, but you know, that's why I like the fact that it's they'll let you put them wherever they want. 
But if you do us this solid, we'll let you, you know, have a shot at bringing these in without hitting a minimum, or we'll do this, or we'll do yeah. that. Like they, yeah, it's all, it laughs a negotiation. Yeah, and and whereas Oliva's just going to sit there and complain, and I won't name names, but I have a feeling you'll know. I've even heard of one rep that started moving stuff around in a humidor to get his stuff where he wanted it because the owner wasn't in there with him or paying attention or there or something. Did they shoot him? No, no, but um, I'll tell you who it was. I I bet you I can guess it. During the break, I'll bet you I can guess it. It's it's (laughs) someone that you wouldn't associate a whole lot of decorum or tact from in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably know exactly who it is. Yeah. And I'll, so, anyway, so, all right. So, as I'm evaluating the first whiffs of this cigar, is there a way to say manure positively? It smells, are you talking about smell? Yeah, this, now, this isn't, this smells like barnyard, but not bad barnyard. It smells like the fields. The fields. Is how I would say that. Yeah, but the fields kind of gives you images of clover and heather and all that. There ain't none of this go- that no, going I've, on. I've also been known to say this taste, specifically on taste, but you could probably use it with smell, smells a lot like the ground where it was grown. And that's, that's usually a, a euphemism in my book for smells or tastes like manure, which, you know, I've, I've, I've heard differing opinions on this, but... It's, it's fine if your cigar smells a little bit like manure. You don't ever want to taste that. Yeah, and... and I've guess, heard some people say you want to taste it, you don't want to smell it. I, yeah, I, it's kind of country, kind of barnyard, but not bad. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the first initial smell and the initial cold draw. I got a lot of that manure feel. And I'll, now I've lit it, and I'm getting, getting the start of it. It's, it's coming on pretty strong. All right. So, anyway, I don't know why I'm doing such a full review on a cigar that more than likely no one will, no ever, one will ever know, <laughs> no one but me will ever know about. But anyway, all right, let's talk about the Big Poppy Firecracker. All right. It returns to celebrate baseball's opening day. Which okay. is March 30th, so coming up fairly soon by the time this airs. So, you're a baseball dude. I am. Um, I'm not, obviously. And I'll, for reasons we won't get into. Um, not not the, anything wrong with baseball, just not... You're, you have become a football fan within the last few years, kind of reluctantly. You've never been a big. In fact, people who've been listening to the show since the beginning know that you used to say bad things about all organized team sports. Now you've become a bit of a football fan. I don't expect you to ever turn the corner into baseball. I think true baseball fans are born from a young age. Yeah, you got to get them. You got to get them in there early. Yeah, and it's because it's the first organized boat sport most kids play well when, once they're smart enough to know about it they you know move away from it but <laughs> i mean soccer's now gotten to where they they'll get kids out there as young as like three but for the longest time five-year-olds starting t-ball was the first you know was the first organized sport and a lot of kids fall in love with it as a result see if i had a kid and i was trying to talk him into you know using sex responsibly that's what I'd do. I'd wake his ass up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, take him out to a winter soccer league and make him sit there and watch kids, little kids run around and play soccer in the freezing cold. Mm-hmm. If that don't get you celibate, nothing will. 
Oh, uh, okay. It took me a bit. This will be your life. Yeah. It's a shared, yes. scared straight program. Yes. Okay, scared I was straight program. Really confused on how oh. you were drawing that connection. Got to be the most miserable thing in the world. I've it worked is. all week. <laughs> yeah, I love my kids. I love sports, but. Yes, giving up your entire weekend to be at a soccer field when it's 20 degrees out and your kid is just running around picking lilies and it's not great. And these people whose kids are on travel teams Mm -hmm. and they spend these unbelievable sums of money. I mean, literally they can pay for college for how much they're spending trying to pursue this scholarship. It's true. I, I will say the good thing about those folks is that yeah, they're doing it for a reason. That's that's the parent trying to live vicariously through their kid and try to relive their own glory days, so they don't hate it as much. It's the people who, like me, who want to see my kids active and enjoying playing a sport and being part of a team, but not necessarily... I'm, we're not in it for scholarships. We're not in yeah. it for glory. We're not, you know... I could watch about five minutes of that and be fine for the week. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good time, Junior. <laughs> But anyway, I do. When was the last time you watched like a kids league sport kind of like that of, of any kind? Um, my nephew. Were you playing? Oh, <laughs> no. My nephew, um, bless his heart, he, he wanted me to come to all of his football games one year. Okay. And I told him, I made him a deal. I said, I'll come to the home ones. I ain't trapped. Right. You know, but I'll come to the home ones. And he was going to Brentwood, and I said, and if you're in Brentwood and y'all happen to play Spring Hill, I'll go to the Spring Hill one because it's near my house. Right. But that's Counts it. as a home game. Yeah, counts as a home game. I'll, I'll give you give you the home games plus one. Yeah. That, that to me seemed like a very fair and equitable solution. Knowing his age, that puts this around 0408? Yeah, it had to be. Somewhere in there. He's 27 now, so you can yeah. back that out to whatever he was when he was 16, so 11 years so Okay, 10. Yeah. But anyway. The reason I bring it up is because I feel like we were better as kids than the kids are now. And I'm not going to go on a whole participation trophy tirade because I don't think that's it because we got them too. But I feel like, and I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's electronics or if it's more dual income households so less time to just get out in the backyard and throw the ball around I don't know what it is but I feel like kids at t-ball age are not as good as we were at t-ball age well who's going to watch a t-ball game for the love of the game (laughs) I mean but I remember being in like like let's see we started at six in like the eight the seven, seven, eight-year-old league, I remember us, like, making double plays, and we had one guy who could throw a curveball, and we were actually, like, fielding, there was... They, How did you find out he could throw a curveball in T-ball? No, not T-ball. Eight, <laughs> I'm saying seven, eight-year-old, which is the first... T-ball curveballs when you bend the little stand. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, but when we got to that first sort of self-pitch league, right. there was some gamesmanship involved. And I just, I don't feel like that's, I feel like they're still kind of just barely T-ball plus at that age now. Well, as a whole, um, the average the, the average 23-year-old today is about the mentality of the average 16-year-old when I grew up. Yeah. So as a whole, adolescence has been prolonged to such an obscene degree 
that I think that's that this may be the early warning signs of that, if what you're witnessing. Yeah. And all uh, the prolonged adolescence is, that's, that's a rant we can get on, but let's what we talk about a cigar. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're talking about baseball. <laughs> so here's my question. So the Slugger is a three and a half by 50 short Robusto, uh, limited to a thousand boxes, 20 cigars. The firecracker, the, you mean? Yeah, you the said Slugger. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the firecracker. Um, and it's the Big Poppy Cigar, which is a great cigar. So here's my question to get down, to cut down to the point of the matter. All right. Um, so you got a bunch of buddies. Y'all are all getting together. Y'all are heading to watch opening day at your chosen football team. And one of them says, hey, I got this new guy at work. He ain't got no friends. He li- he likes baseball. He'd like to come with us. Sure, come on. And you're going to introduce him to a cigar. Is this a fair size to give a man who's never been introduced to cigars? And it's funny because you and I disagree on this. I think it is. So, A, if we're all getting together... And I bought a box of 10 of these, or whatever they are. Yeah, oh, it's a box 20. It just looks like a box of 10. And if we're all smoking this special cigar, I I feel like you're doing the dude a disservice by saying, oh, well, you you wouldn't really get this. Here, have a, you know, have a Perdomo champagne or have something light and... and Yeah, understand that. Yeah. I'm giving you that one. So I think you have to, I definitely think you have to let him in on the tradition, for lack of a better term. I do think, so when you get into about the last three inches of the cigar, is usually when I like the cigar the best. If it's a good cigar, it's usually best. It's, you know, it's queuing up the band. It's getting ready for a big finish, right? So I think you're, you're setting this and now it, it's a full it's a full bodied cigar so that's a little that you know comes into play but i think you're giving this guy the best opportunity 50 ring gauge is not so big it's going to wear his jaw out it's not so long that he's going to feel obligated to keep going past his comfort level um, no i think that's per- i think it's perfectly fine see i don't i think well in the scenario where you lined out where I break out a box of these and we're all reaching for one and he reaches for one, no, I'm not going to smack it out of his hand. Right. But in the scenario where there's a choice of, okay, this man has asked me to introduce him to cigars. What am I going to give him? I would never give him this cigar. But is it because of the cigar or is it just the size? It's just the size. How I many people do you know that smoke their full first cigar? Don't care. Not important to me. It's important to me that he feels like he's got a cigar, not like he's got a Vienna sausage. <laughs> I want him to have a, a cigar experience, and part of a cigar experience is having a cigar. Yeah, but you can do that after the game. Right. Because you're going to have to sit around the parking lot wait for traffic to clear out anyway. Well, separate it from the game, I uh, guess. I guess that I should have... Yeah, I got it all tied up together. Let me untie it for you. Okay. If someone says, walks in this door right now and says, Trey, this is my first cigar ever. Put a cigar in my hand. You wouldn't put one of the... You wouldn't put a three and a half by 50 in No, I wouldn't. Hand. But I'd still put a Robusto in there, huh? You think you'd still go Robusto? Yeah. I'd go Toro. Definitely. I always go Toro when I find myself in that position. Because I, I don't... One, the difference in the price of the Robusto and Toro is nothing. Two, the Toro makes them feel like they're smoking a cigar. Yeah, but it can also be intimidating. And I think so often, 
I have seen, especially guys having their first cigar around a group of friends who's been doing it for a while, who smoke an entire Churchill in one sitting. I can't tell you the number of times. Wait, you smoke a whole cigar at once? I've gotten that question numerous times. And so I think putting that on somebody the first time, I think, I mean, maybe if if you're really clear of if you start to feel a little woozy or whatever, put it down and don't be ashamed of it. But I've seen people go beyond their comfort level for for peer pressure, for lack of a better term. But if everybody, because, okay, Toro in this shop, pretty much everybody in here is going to be holding a Toro. Mm-hmm. You'll have a couple of Churchills. You'll have no Robustos. We can't give a Robusto away. And so see, I'm doing you a favor. So, <laughs> <laughs> but... If you everybody else is smoking a Toro and you hand this dude a Robusto to sit down and smoke, now he's out of the group. <laughs> Except that you give it a few minutes and everyone's smoking a Robusto. But to me, it doesn't matter if they finish their first cigar or not. I think I, the size and shape of the cigar is part of the experience. I, I do too, but a Robusto is a, is a, a bona fide cigar shape. And I, I don't think there's any shame in smoking a Robusto, and I don't think there's any... You might not even finish the whole Robusto, but I think it's about... A lot of blends are blended to the Robusto, so depending on the cigar, you're going to get the truest expression of what that blend was supposed to be. Well, so to wrap it up, <laughs> the Big Poppy Firecracker returns to celebrate baseball's opening day. These will be for sale they said that he even signed, Big Poppy even signed 10, ten of boxes. Them, yeah. 10 of the 1,000 boxes. What? Did you have a roast in the oven? Could you not have? I'm thinking 100. I'm, th- I'm thinking I'd want him to at least sign. You think sign 10%? A, yeah. Hey, at least do 10%. What? You got a roast? You got the car idling in the parking lot? <laughs> ain't got time to sign them? And all. But anyway, so I do like the Big Poppy. It's a cigar that's run its course in this shop and will be leaving us soon to come back at a later date, but for now it's run its course and it's going to be leaving us soon. But this firecracker is an interesting size. Yeah. All right, North Dakota. All right. So from M Forum, North Dakota Senate approves bill to establish cigar lounges. So in Bismarck, North Dakota, they've got these, you know, draconian cigarette and tobacco laws. And now there's people campaigning to be able to smoke in cigar lounges. Um... Seems amicable enough. The only thing I hate about this article is I hate the phrase. Hold on, let me get it exactly right. Second paragraph. Second paragraph. Um, Supporters of the legislation argue that cigar lounges will provide a safe and controlled environment for smokers. I hope what they mean by that is safe from protesters and busybodies who want to say something about the fact that I'm smoking a cigar. That's the only safety I need in a cigar shop. Have you ever gotten shivved in the humidor? No, you know I didn't. I haven't even been shook down outside of a cigar shop. Right. Behind. Haven't been strafed in years. Yeah, but what? Haven't been caught behind the ear of a blackjack. I mean, right. none of these things. I never worry about going and scoring my padrone and not coming out of the deal alive. Right. <laughs> you know. So this this terminology, and maybe I'm latching on to something insignificant. So that's why I brought this up, is I wanted to kind of understand from you, is does this seem patronizing? It, it absolutely does, but I think I understand where it's coming. So, you know, opponents have raised concerns about the health. I think the safe and controlled environment is not for the cigar smokers. 
it's you know there's you know it only passed 25 to 22 so this was a very narrow margin for victory and so i'm thinking by safe and controlled what they're referring to is we're not just blanket opening up smoking to everybody so if you don't like smoking this is a safe and controlled environment for them that you don't have to enter if you don't want to i think that's more what they intend but i don't like the usage well you know i say this every week it seems like these anti-smoking laws and stuff like that are so ignorant let the market decide if your establishment wants to have smoking and your clientele wants to smoke, let them smoke. Yeah, just establish that, and especially now that the legal smoking age is 21, that if, if you want to allow smoking, everyone in the place has to be of legal age to smoke. Because at 21, you're making the choice to enter that place or not. So it's, it's up to you. You Absolutely. get to decide on the risk and whether or not you want to take it. And now, that being said, is it being hypocritical of me that I like that my cigar lounge can say, hey, no vaping, no cigarettes, cigars only. Actually, it's a law in Tennessee now. They, is you, it? Yeah, you can't smoke cigar cigarettes in a cigar lounge. I didn't know that. And I'll, is it hypocritical of me to say I, I want to be able to, I want the business to be able to say cigars only, no vaping, no cigarettes. Why would that be hypocritical? Because you've been saying from the very outset, let the market decide. If the business owner of the cigar shop can still make the revenue numbers that they need to without allowing those people to, to smoke and vape cigarettes and whatnot, I, that was a horrible phrase, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, my, He's a wordsmith, folks. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, I, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's fine. As the business owner, you should be able to... With, within some constraints, be able to decide who's in your shop or not. Okay. Well, I'm just being sure. I don't. I didn't want to be on the wrong side of this. I didn't want to be hypocritical and say, you know, I'm I'm okay if it's my hobby. <laughs> you right. know, I didn't want to be that guy. I always want to be a, a more. How many fair times have you gone into a bar that allows smoking that says no to cigars? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And all uh, casinos that you know when we were in Vegas, they're like, oh, you can smoke at the bar. But we don't allow smoking at the tables anymore since COVID. Okay, what does what does smoking at the table have to do with COVID? <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired of people using that as an excuse to enforce a policy that they couldn't sell any other way. Right. So, all right, we're going to step away for a break. When we come back in a minute, we're going to talk about um, Luciano Cigars taking, changing their names and a little bit of UFO talk. And about um, Sunday firesides of art of manliness. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. Sitting across from a man, she stood up and said, I don't know how I can pay my rent and unbuttoned her blouse. He said, I think there's a way and unzipped his pants. Everyone else playing Monopoly felt really uncomfortable that night. (laughs) (laughs) Trey did (laughs) that. How to ruin family game night. Two easy steps. (laughs) Two easy steps. 
But I was, so, sometime when you and your wife are playing Monopoly with her family, I dare you. <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> knowing her in law, knowing your in laws, I don't think you could ever pull that off. <laughs> no, I absolutely not. <laughs> but that that would be a hilarious moment. Okay, so coming back to the podcast, let's hit this real quick. Luciano Cigars rebrands Pachardo Cigars as Tiago Cigars. Right. So Luciano is changing the Pachardo line, which, you know, originally started out distributed by Ace Prime. And it actually honored, um, from the Tabacalacera Pachardo factory, one of the Eradio Pachardo, who was part of Ace Prime. He's now changing it for, to Tiago Cigars, that's coming from the company's co-founder, Tiago Splitter. Um, what do you think about this rebranding stuff is to such a degree? You know, I, I guess I don't understand. I guess my question would be why and why now? I mean, Luciano was, or Pichardo, was, was finally getting a lot more press, a lot more station a lot more presence in the humidor, and it just seems like a, like a weird time. I, I don't think the name was holding them back. Well, I should have asked Derek before he left. Who? How many people in the, from the NBA know Tiago Splitter? And uh, how many? How, what's the chances your average NBA fan? Because Tiago Splitter, he was um, part of the Houston, the San Antonio Spurs from 2010 to 2017 when they was part of the team when they won the championship in 14. So there's a little of that celebrity thing, but this just doesn't feel like the celebrity thing to me. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's what it is. And now they did mention that they they wanted what was it? What did Luciano say? Uh, we believe these blends des- deserve a worthy and upstanding name. Tiago is not only my partner, he's more like a chosen brother, and that's what this rebranding is about, honoring him for the extraordinary person he is and elevating the family we, we choose for ourselves. I like that. I like the idea of that. I don't know why you wouldn't have started there. Yeah, I don't either, and unless it's one of those deals, you know, they were being made in the Pachardo factory, and Pachardo kind of you know, may have worked in more that way, got a little preferential treatment, and Tiago said, yeah, you know, that's okay. We're making a Pachardo factory, call them Pachardos. Right. I, you know, they do still, they do, they do still, you know, own the rights to Pachardo, the name. And so, the, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a problem with this. I just, I just don't get, I guess I just don't understand. Not a lot of mileage under this one. We're going to move on. Since we're talking about names... Bill targeting seized Cuban trademarks reintroduced in Congress. So this is from Halfwill, and Charlie Minato wrote it. And a bipartisan and bicameral. What is a bicameral group? Bicameral group means it came. Both the House and the Senate are working together. Oh, okay. Has introduced the No Stolen Trademarks Honored in America Act. They need to get the Act Naming Committee. Yeah. You know, for years, um, WWE's been getting their title belts from Joe's House of Ugly Belts, and nobody's ever told them, can we talk to these guys about the ability to name stuff? Right. And uh, so what this is, this is a bill basically talking about um, trademarks, like the Cuban brands. The uh, You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and this is a little bit connected to that in the Cohibas 
and the H. Upmans and the Partagas and all of those different that are now American brand cigars, but are originally Cuban brands. You know, we were talking about this before the show. The Cuban embargo happened in 62. So we're over 60 years now since Cuban cigars and Cuban brands have been able to market and distribute in this country. So I feel like, and you made this point, the North American distributing owners of these trademarks have more of a right to it than the Cuban companies do. And I really don't understand. It was introduced, or at least there was a press release by Senator Bob Menendez, a Democrat from New Jersey. So part of me is wondering if this is part of the partisan split on Cuba. You know, because there's the, the, whether or not you agree with lifting the embargo on Cuba tends to draw across party lines. Uh, and so I'm wondering if this is trying to maybe give something back to Cuba as a way of sort of grandstanding. To me, this feels like what we talk about. Legislators just wanting to legislate. They're yeah. just a bunch of solutions well, running around with no problems to solve. I don't know about that necessarily because there is currently a, I think, federal case uh, between General and uh, Habanas, Cohiba, whatever their actual name is for the Cuba brand. You know, I'm of two. I'm of two minds about this because, you know, it is lazy, a little bit, to see a Cuban brand no longer able to ever say, okay, I'm just going to take the name. When we humidors are full of people who are able to find other names for their cigars. But at the same time, you know, I have a family member who's an intellectual property attorney, and he will tell you time and time again, a trademark is only as powerful as your willingness to enforce it. And I'm not saying we wouldn't go full on China and just not honoring other countries' trademarks and intellectual property, but it does seem like kind of unnecessary. Well, okay. So at this point, if Cubans were made legal, if they said, okay, we're lifting the embargo, and they brought them in, would they not want to call them Cuban Cohibas, Cuban Partagas, Cuban? Would they... Would they not want to put Cuban in front of them anyway, just so people would know? Would they be fool- would they be foolish enough just leave that up to the market? Well, even when you buy Cuban cigars in markets that that allow it, it's always Cohiba de Habana, and it, all of them put of Havana after their name on the Cuban cigars. I I wonder if that's because you know, the U.S. smokes more cigars than any other country on the planet, and so it's their way of of making sure, oh, if you see H. Upman, you know this is what you're looking for, whatever. But I'm also thinking about this, like, you know, Cohiba we talked about, Partagas, H. Upman, uh, Romeo and Julieta. There's a handful of other, even Bolivar. You know, if the embargo was was lifted... I do feel like they they would be the ones. I feel like the North American companies would be the ones forced to change their name. But what do you? What would a humidor look like without Romeo and Julieta? What, what, you yeah, know. in our lifetime, there's never been that. So, just to wrap it up, just to to come back around to this, I do think this is wasted time for one. I think this is legislators just legislating to legislate because. At the end of the day, there's gonna, it's no problem for there to be enough difference. There's no problem for the Cubans to come in. 
And at the time that they took the Cohiba name and the Partagas name and the Bolivar name, the history of communist countries is not littered with success. So if they were trying to save these names from fading from the history of cigars by taking them in, I can see that. I can see the side of that. But we'll never know if that was the true motivation or if it was simply shekels. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So from Fox News Live, um, I don't know whose side they're on. <laughs> Pentagon, Pentagon officials suggest alien mothership in our solar system could send many probes to Earth. Now, this is on Fox News, I would like to okay. say. This is, this is not the Daily Inquirer. If you've seen that headline on the front of the Daily Inquirer, it wouldn't surprise you, would No, it? not at all. Uh, but this is on Fox News. So this, I'm, the reason I'm talking about UFOs, one, every time one shows up, somebody says it's cigar-shaped. But anybody that sees anything that's longer than it is wide seems to think it's cigar-shaped. Right. So, but... Um, it's a, actually a pretty interesting article about the unidentified aerial phenomena has become a big topic since they declassified that and everybody talking about the ones they've seen. Now, my opinion on UFOs is most of the UFOs that seen are man-made. Right. I don't think that there's... I don't think there's a reason for aliens to visit us. Though I did hear a physicist the other day make a very interesting point. He said, do you know that alien... UFO sightings doubled and even tripled after we dropped the first nuclear bomb. Interesting. That maybe that's the signal that a society has, has reached, reached a point that, that yeah. you know, they come into the Federation or whatever. That that, that that that's an earmark for these, you know, class A and class B, class two civilizations and things like that. What's interesting to me is I can't see anywhere in this article yeah, they say, blah, 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 said in a draft, doesn't say how close it actually is. You know, every time they talk about, oh, there's an asteroid passing so close to Earth, it, it's still like two and a half million miles away. And it's, oh, it's within striking. <laughs> like, so I'm curious how close this would have to, like, are they seeing it just on the outskirts of Neptune? Well, now here's another fascinating aspect of this. You know, we talked about Bigfoot one time, so we can talk about UFOs for just a little bit. Um, another fascinating aspect of this is guys interested in astronomy are almost never interested in UFOs. And you would think those would be the guys most interested in UFOs. But guys that are following NASA and following the new telescopes and following all of the advances and everything... Rarely ever are they interested in the UFO thing. You think it's uh, you think it's the equivalent of somebody smoking cigars for fifteen years and still smoking Tatiana's? You th- that's just smoking how they- the same cigar all well, the time. No, 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 no. Smoking UFO, the UFA, UF. Jeez, Louise, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> the UFO section of astrological astronomical research and exploration is kind of seen as less than those are the kooks those are the you know it'd be like a famed marine biologist being obsessed with the megalodon yeah it's you know um in bigfoot culture somebody once asked jane goodall did she think bigfoot could exist and she said absolutely yeah. She said, beyond a, beyond a shadow of doubt, I see no reason why it couldn't. 
but 90% of famous zoologists that you would ask that question would just say, oh, don't bother me with that. Don't be silly. They're, they're so desperate to be taken seriously that they can't, they have no time for whimsy. And it, that may be some of what's going on here. It may be linked to that. And, you know, here's my question. Why do people arbitrarily group weird things together? Like <laughs> cigars, vaping, and cigarettes all get grouped in the same right. lump in a lot of people's heads when they're three totally, totally different things. Exactly. And I listen to a lot of Bigfoot podcasts. I enjoy it. I make no bones about it. I am not ashamed of it. I'm I'm also not the guy wearing a I believe shirt. Right. And all I could care less if you believe or not. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy the stu- the the information. I right. enjoy that part of it. But these guys seem to always get UFO stuff and ghost stuff crammed in with my Bigfoot stuff. Why is that? What what is the human interest in grouping things together? You know, I don't know because yeah, they're vastly different. At least you know, at, at least with Bigfoot and UFOs, you're talking about humanoid creatures who have a potential to exist. Ghosts kind of exist in the ethereal. They're, you know, whether or not you believe in Bigfoot does not predicate a belief in either aliens or ghosts. Like, you can believe in all of them, one or two of them. It doesn't matter. But I think there's a fascination with the unknown. I think that's where it comes from. I guess it just, it all gets grouped together. And it, it always astonishes me. But I've just seen this this article caught my eye because of the the Inquirer-like headline being on Fox News. It is one of my favorite. It, you know, there are a handful of answers to, to questions that haven't been asked yet that are somewhat universal. And I feel like this is a perfect example of, yes, there probably is, but probably not in our lifetime. If we see... UFOs in our lifetime. Here, this is this is gonna blow your mind. This ain't my thought. This actually came from a different podcast I was looking at, but it made so much sense. If we encounter aliens in our lifetime, it'll be because they landed somewhere and said, "Hey, stop that! You're about to destroy yourselves." Right. <laughs> it, it'll it'll I actually think that's what it'll be. That it'll actually be aliens coming down and saying, "Hey." Listen, y'all are headed down a wrong. It's the same yeah. way that you swat the dog on the nose with a newspaper. Right. There's a nice civilization you got going here. You're heading towards some good stuff, but all of a sudden, you jokers have took a bad turn. Stop peeing on the carpet. Right. And we've decided we're going to step in and we're going to say to you, "Hey, would you like a little guidance here? Yeah. Could we perhaps keep you from killing yourselves?" And all. I, I honestly think we're far more likely to encounter aliens in that capacity than any other capacity. It's like like Star Trek, but the shoe's on the other foot. Right. Yeah. Right. We're not going to we're not going to interrupt the prime directive unless they're about to blow up their planet. Yeah. Unless they're playing with forces beyond their kin. All right, let's talk about this fireside chat. All right. And I'll let so you leave. It's been a minute since we did a, an article from the Art of Manliness and I didn't want us to be all cigars all the time tonight. So so this is their Sunday fireside chat. It's it's a weekly thing that they do and they usually touch on on sort of more more thought-provoking types of topics and canceling your news debt. 
So the article starts out, there are many reasons to consider eliminating or at least reducing one's consumption of the news. And they go on to mention the fact that so much of what we get from the news today is not the news. It's, well, here's what might happen if this happens, or if that happens, or if this person does this, or that, da, 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 and so on, ad finitum, ad infinitum. There's, there's a lot to be said for clearing your mind of the possibilities when, A, we have no idea of knowing if they'll ever to come, come to fruition, or if there's even anything we can do about it. And I, I don't necessarily agree with the idea of eliminating uh, our consumption of the news entirely. But I do think there are a number of people that could probably do to step back a little bit. Okay. So here's my thoughts on this. One, I think you should limit your consumption of news. Just like I think you should limit your consumption of anything. Right. Of alcohol, of chocolate, of wine, of whatever. Of romance novels, of TV, right. of whatever it is. But I also think the reason to limit your your input of news is in today's era, more than anything else, you've got to have a finely tuned BS filter. You've got to run everything through the filter. Everything you see or hear, because nothing on the internet's true or everything's on the internet's true. Um, and the truth is lies between right. there. But right. when somebody says something, you say, that don't really sound right. That don't make sense. So I, I do think we have a little bit of a problem, though, with, and I think the reason that Fox News and MSM is like the two like most polarizing outlets have been able to establish so much so much of a base is because you can't always trust your BS filter and we it oh my can, BS filter is perfect it's 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 razor sharp no because i have there have been times in our history where I've presented you facts and figures that explain exactly X is true because of Y, and you've still looked at me and go, nah. Nah, still don't seem right. No, that's, <laughs> so I think, I think part of the problem we have with news is that too, too many people rely on their BS filter and not on the willingness to accept facts in the face of their preconceived notion. But... With so much confirmation biased, with so much information available, 90% of people that are presenting their case to you are coming from a confirmation bias perspective. You still have to... No, my, that's, my BS filter boils down to, okay, how does this affect me? Well, but confirmation bias would be accepting it on face value without any sort of evidence to, to back it up. No, confirmation biased would be going out and finding the articles like the FDA. Right. You know, the article we covered a couple of weeks ago where the FDA did a study of like 60 people and said, oh, 90% of people think we should get rid of tobacco altogether. That's FDA creating confirmation biased information. Right. Because they leave off the sample size and just tell you the results they had from the sample. You know, hey, we were... We were at the anti-smoking rally, and we took a poll, and 90% of people said that they would like tobacco gone all together. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes 90% of people say they'd like tobacco gone. 
so that's confirmation bias. That's how confirmation bias is created is because they create, I know you hate the phrase, fake news. They create fake news and fake studies in order to support their position. So if something don't smell right to me, I can't trust information presented to me. It's yes, but you right. should always be able to follow the numbers back to their core and decide if the numbers because lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but if the information gathering was sound, you know, Dave Ramsey loves to talk about all of these statistics about millionaires and how most of them, you know, something like seventy percent of millionaires didn't even inherit anything. You know, they right. were all self-made. Blah blah blah, and he goes on this whole thing. And he constantly cites a study that he did. So people that followed his principles to get where they are. And, but, you know, yeah, that's confirmation. Yeah, bias. yeah, yeah. But you can follow where the data comes from. When, when non-biased sources pr- produce data, when people whose sole job is just to collect data, there's, there's less of that confirmation bias. Yes, you have to so- sort through that, but... Just because somebody presents data to you that flies in the face of your BS meter doesn't mean that it's necessarily confirmation bias. No, but my bigger point, going back to the article, coming back to center, we can argue the other points more diligently at a later date. Coming back to it, you know, I had to quit listening to Adam Carolla. Yeah. Because regardless of how much of his negativity I tried to filter out of my life, being constantly barraged by it on a daily basis, trying to listen to his podcast, was having an effect on me. Right. Even though I was, you know, actively trying to sort it out and trying to live a positive life and trying to be encouraging and be differently and just enjoy him for an entertainment perspective, there came a saturation point where I couldn't do the two. Right. And I had to quit it. And I think that's one of the things they're talking about when you watch the news, limit it to a, to a degree to which you can do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a, one of my favorite line in the article is, it's been said that worry is interest paid on a debt you may not owe. And this is as true for personal anxieties as societal ones. So, you know, if, you're spend, if, if your consumption of the news is tied so much in this is what might happen when... You're, it's going to create worry in what happens if. I, I do think we as cultured individuals have a responsibility to know what's going on in the world around us. I do think it's we have a prerogative to be informed. Now, choosing sources wisely, limiting your intake and not just consuming news all day long, regardless of the source, I think all of those things, you know, have to play together. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a responsibility that has never faced mankind until the past twenty years. Yeah, of actually limiting about how, forty years. Yeah, limiting how much of the twenty four hours news cycle you can consume without damaging yourself. And I will say, if anybody's curious, I have found a great podcast. It's NPR's Up First, and they do a really good job of fifteen minutes. Here's what you need to know. It's not put through a filter. There's not any editorializing. It's, you know, because, you know, it it comes out first thing in the morning. So here's what happened in Russia and Ukraine overnight. You know, here's what's going on with the stock market or da-da-da-da-da. Like, it's, 
it's it's a really great way to get a snapshot of the news and then you're done with it. Yeah, and I think it's okay if you find a news source. You know, there's four big news stations on most people's TV. There's, you know, two, four, five, and Fox. Fox 17 News here. There it might be Fox 54. They're on your side. Um, I couldn't go go show. I I got you. But one of the four around here, I cannot watch. Because everything they talk about is just slanted one direction. Just absolutely can't watch them. It's, that, it's completely, and it's okay. It's okay to just say, okay, their production manager, their station manager, their news manager, whatever it is, obviously has a bias that he's trying to perpetrate, or she is trying to perpetrate upon the masses. So it's okay to just cut that person out. I, I think you and I have... You can all, yeah. I, we're we're belaboring the point. Okay. Well, we we won't we won't sell past the close. And I'll um, one more quick article. I was looking to see if I had anything else. Um, let me talk about this cigar for yeah, a minute. Do that. Rather than do another article. Yeah. Um, this has been a very good cigar. It's given me, you know, it started out with that manure feel more mm-hmm. than flavor. I guess that's a good way to put it. It's a yeah. feel more than a flavor. But the first third was light. The second third came on strong. The third, the last third has really just gotten good to me. It kind of is illustrating what you were talking about, the firecracker. The last third of this cigar has been the best third of this cigar. Yeah. And it's just been sound. I'm not going to rate it because I'm going through this process and there's no point in me rating a cigar that most people will never smoke. But this has just been, it's, it's always an interesting adventure. I think every now and then, a cigar smoker should take a good buddy. And we were to propose this as the Cigar Cash Challenge or whatever. All right. Take a good buddy, and both of you say, okay, I'm going to go in the humidor and get a cigar and take the label off of it and bring it out and hand it to you, and you smoke it. You know, we've been talking about doing that on the show since we started this, and we've still never done it. We need to challenge ourselves to do that next week. Next week. Next week, I'll get a cigar and take the label off of it. You get one. But I think every cigar smoker should do that. Yeah, absolutely. No, if nothing else, you know, you and I have a fairly similar palate, but it's not identical by any stretch of the imagination. And you can open yourself up to some new things that you might not have liked otherwise by doing that. Now, here's my question. When you do that. Because I got you onto my father. Yeah. And then my father got me off of my right. father. But um, that's another story for another day. Um, when you do that, that's not your chance to play a joke on the no. other guy. That To me, that's a venal breach of etiquette. It is. If you go in, you say, I'm going to get him a Gurkha ghost and take the label off and make him smoke it. To me, that's a that's poor form. So it it's similar to me that... So there's a law on the books in every state. It may, may even be federal uh, against food tampering. You are not allowed to intentionally deceive somebody with the food that you're giving them. It is a, it is a felony. I feel like doing what you're describing falls in the same category. Yeah, I do too. I think so. If, I think if you do it and you do it honestly, it can add a lot to your cigar life. Right. If you don't do it honestly, then I'm just, not smoking cigars with you anymore. Yeah, you're just it, it'll reveal a lot about the character of the person you're talking about. It's that frat style humor that I'm not a fan of in any regard. So rate your cigar for me. Uh, five and a half. Like most Perdomos. Like yeah, I mean, I almost would give it a six, but that just doesn't. 
I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think it, I chose perfectly. I think it, I did well. It, it's exactly what I wanted. But it's just, yeah, it's hard to give a Perdomo 6, even though I think this one might actually deserve it. They're good cigars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I don't want people to go away from our podcast thinking we're anti-Perdomo or we don't like no, Perdomo. I'm very pro-Perdomo, as a matter of fact. One of the best-run cigar companies in the business. I think part of it is, and I, I think this is this is where we're at. No matter what Perdomo you pick up, you're going to have a great uh, great experience. And so I think... I'm having a hard time giving this a... If this were any other manufacturer, this cigar would be a six. But it doesn't stand out against the rest of their portfolio, and I think that's why I'm having a hard time with it. So, I, so I'm going to change. I'm going to say, you're right, This on, on merit, it's a six. And I'm, I'm being clouded by the fact of that Perdomo is so consistent that this just falls in line with their own consistency, which is already better than most. Right, almost a little bit of brand fatigue. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I'm I'm saying the opposite. But go well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? They can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well thanks everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.